Welcome to the very first episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast on what is the most important day on the hockey calendar, the NHL draft. This is where teams are built. As much as we all like to get excited about the trade deadline, free agency, the most value any team gets is from who they draft on a random October night because of a pandemic. We'll get into it. Other side of Carl's music. By Lafreniere. He flips it ahead and moves around Raven. And Raven stands with him. Lafreniere pokes it ahead. Rolling puck to Lafreniere. A superstar in the making. My friend Carl uh, hooked me up with a little free instrumental. Get just to get the podcast going, you need a little something. Got to get some help from your creative friends when you're doing stuff like this. But as you can tell, the Rangers did not botch the NHL draft. They took Alexi Lafreniere first overall from Ramuski Oceanic of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, a player who put together one of the best junior seasons in Canada this decade. And Corey Pronman of the Athletics evaluation of Lafreniere. He wrote that this past season was the, this past season of Lafreniere's for Ramuski Oceanic was the single best season in the Canadian Hockey League, which is all of the junior leagues in Canada, the OHL, Western Hockey League, which is all the way on the British Columbia side of Canada and the Quebec Major Junior League, where Quebec is, where Ramuski Oceanic is way up the St. Lawrence River from Montreal, wrote that this was the second best season of any player this decade. Aside from McDavid's one season for Erie, Lafreniere had it. Which brings me to my larger point, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. Oh, hang on, trade, trade, the Rangers and Flames did something. Hang on, hang on. I'll be right back with live reaction. I regret to reform you. The Rangers did Galaxy Brain their pick. They didn't Galaxy Brain Alexi. They, they, they took the prodigal son, but they traded a third round pick and the 22nd selection to move up three spots for Braden Schneider, a right-handed defenseman from the WHL who doesn't register points, which is a major red flag for when you're develop, excuse me, when you're drafting guys especially early in the draft in the first round. You want defensemen who are capable of recording points in junior hockey, even if they're eventually going to be stay-home defensemen in the NHL. The guys who make it in the NHL are the ones who are just dominant in junior hockey, and those are the ones you want in the first round. I mean, granted, we're all speculating here. I'm going off what I can read from the internet, and, you know, the internet's limited. I've never seen Braden Schneider play hockey in person. I hope he's good. I really do hope he's good. But again, this looks like Jeff Gordon and the boys uh, trying to play hockey in 2009-ish. These big-bodied slow guys are not helpful in today's NHL. If you watch how slow guys get exposed regularly because they can't skate. And this brings me to one of the main reasons I, I felt obligated to start a podcast again. Yeah, did one with my friends for a little while last year. Fell apart because it's difficult organizing six to 10 people once a week, but I digress, I digress. Back to the point. Team building and talent evaluation 
are not as hard as as they're not as hard as professionals make them out to be. I promise. The reason this podcast is named the Upper Bowl GM Podcast is because there have been times where I've been sitting in the Upper Bowl at Madison Square Garden or at MetLife Stadium or at City Field or at the Garden for the Knicks, where I've wondered to myself, what the absolute fuck are they doing? This is one of those textbooks examples where I'm wondering, what the hell are they doing? They already have enough right-handed defensemen who take up who and you they only have you can only you only play three right-handed defensemen because the team stubbornly insists that right-handed guys got to play on the right and left-handed guys got to play on the left so you're running gonna, you're running out of roster spots here whether or not they end up keeping and using tony d'angelo going forward giving him an extension is another thing i have to get to is another thing i have to get to but it brings me to a larger point about how the Rangers have built what they've built. In a vacuum, they have very nice pieces. Shesterkin, real deal. Ke'Andre Miller, looks like he's going to be the real deal. Adam Fox, he's already the real deal. They have some pieces. Artemi Panarin, very nice piece. Mika Zibanejad, very nice piece. Kreider, Buchnevich, solid pieces. Truba, eh, I'll, I'll get to Truba eventually, but uh, $8 million is a lot for a guy who's not that great. Ryan Lindgren, solid, ELC, you can afford it. And that's where the Rangers are going to have to get their results from. They've accumulated so much young talent the last few years through the draft and trades that they need to get these guys developed into producers. Eventually, your prospects have to become players. Otherwise, they're bust. That's a problem the Rangers have had. They're not very good at developing guys and bringing them up through the organization and getting them NHL ready. They really struggle with it. I mean, it took, what, Kreider, three years to become an NHL regular? It took Buchnevich three and a half to really firmly cement himself in the lineup? took Brady Shea a year and a half and he got worse the more he played because the coaching staff didn't know what to do with him I there are concerns with how the organization is set up that they're not going to maximize the value of all the assets they've accumulated because the Rangers have accumulated a ton of assets which is your first goal especially in hockey because it's so it's tricky to bring guys along to be contributors you need to have as many bullets in your gun as possible you need to have room for mistakes because there are going to be mistakes. It looks like Leah Sanderson, who seventh overall 2017, was one of those mistakes. Going forward, we don't know yet. Kratzov in 2018? Hmm. We gotta see. 2019? Well, I, yeah, we, we gotta see. The Rangers have done a lot of good things. Capococco, we need him to get better. Heedle, we need to get better. There are so many guys in the organization who are decent and have a lot of things we should like about them. They have good traits. They have good skills. Don't know exactly what those players are going to turn into. And that's the greater issue at hand is that the team has struggled to develop talent this millennium. Homegrown talent's been key parts of when the Rangers have been successful. When they went to the cup final in 2014, Derek Stepan, McDonough, 
Girardi, Stahl, Hank, RIP Hank. But it right now, with all of the young guys they have, they need to turn those guys into actual players. I think Alexi is going to come in this year and be solid right off the bat, hit you 50 points, and thrive in a way that Kako didn't. I think it'll help. He'll be on a better team. I mean, the first half of the year last year, the Rangers were pretty miserable. They gave up scoring chances, terrible expected goal ratios. They left their goalie out to dry. It was rough for the first half of last year, and Kako really struggled. He was drowning for a lot of the year where he looked overmatched against NHL competition, and that's reasonable. He's 18 years old, first time playing in North America. Style of hockey is different from the Finnish league he played in in his draft year. But again, when you have so much of your team's potential tied up in potential, and you don't have the most cap flexibility, it makes your margin for error smaller. And it brings me to the roster construction. The roster construction idea that's going to be the foundation of this first episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. How you build your team is what is reflective of your philosophies, your beliefs, how you evaluate talent, things, things, things like that. What your philosophies are as a team. The Rangers, the last decade when they tried to win were tried to win by playing defense and giving up fewer goals than the other team and they always ran into an issue of never having a guy who could just bury that big goal you needed to get over the hump they have struggled this decade to have that elite guy they haven't had now it's a little different now that they brought in Panarin they have Zbigniewicz they have Alexi Hopefully, Kako. They've got Kreider. They've got Heedle. Booch is still there. There's pieces. Now they need to put the pieces together and they need to work. They've got a good goalie. Shesterkin looks like the real deal. In his limited sample size, he was very good. I cannot complain with what I saw from Shesterkin. A little aggressive with the way he plays the puck, but you can live with that. He doesn't make no glaring problems with his style of play. The Rangers played really well in front of him, and it's one of those things that historically has been true, that when the Rangers didn't have Lundqvist in that, the team in front of him played better. They played tighter. They gave up fewer scoring chances. They gave up fewer high-danger scoring chances, meaning that at least subconsciously at some level, the team played worse when Hank was in front of them because internally, it's all right. Hank's got this. I, I, it's okay. If I make a slight mistake, Hank's got this. And that became a real thing. There's a reason Cam Talbot was so good as the backup and the starter when Hank got hurt in 14 and in 15. There's a reason Georgiev has looked pretty good in his two years. But a margin for error is going to be very, very small because of the cap, the flat cap that the league's going to have for the next two plus years because of COVID. So in a nutshell, teams get their revenue, TV money, and gate money. Gate money meaning ticket sales. No, no gates at all. No playoff gates, no final six-ish games of the season gates, and then the revenue gets divided amongst all the 31 teams, blah, 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 blah. And then there's the players get X amount of the split because it has to be 50-50. 
it, and it makes it makes the financial situation for certain teams a problem. The Rangers, they got a, as much of a bastard as James Dolan is. They don't have to worry about money. They don't have to worry about money. They'll spend to the cap every year if they can. It won't be that won't be an issue for them. But the problem they do have, at least for the moment, is a lot of the contracts they gave out over the last two years or so were based upon the mindset that the cap's going to keep incrementally going up every every year. Then the league was supposed to get a new 2D contract next year, and it was supposed to get the Seattle expansion team money divided out amongst the other 30 teams. Those two things are still going to come. Seattle is still supposed to join for the 2021-2022 season, and the new TV deal is supposed to happen. So in theory, the cap will, should. It, I can't say affirmatively because we know how the NHL owners treat things, you know, two lockouts in 10 years, not great. But financially, the Rangers gave out contracts based on one assumption. They gave Truba $8 million a year, which was an overpay. But they liked him since Winnipeg drafted him all those years ago. And they circled back around when they saw Truba was available. They knew he'd be amiable to landing in New York. He wanted to come back to the playing in the States. Wanted his fiance to be able to pursue her doctorate, I want to say. I feel like his fiance is, she's in the medical field. I forget if she's a nurse or a doctor, but that, that's besides the point. They paid a premium for Truba coming off of a really good year with the Jets. Yeah, his underlying numbers leave a little bit to be desired. He shoots the puck too much. That's one of the things um, Yo, Travis Yost for TSN wrote about uh, two years ago was what defensemen shoot too much. And because you're shooting so much, you're turning the puck over, even though we consider shots on goal to be a good thing. If you're not resulting in goals and you have a very low shooting percentage, you're actually hurting your team because you're turning the puck over. It's a bad habit Truba has. He does shoot at guys a lot where the shot doesn't even get through to the net and there's no second chance scoring opportunity. It's just blocked and it goes back the other way. It's one of those things. I think Truba's a salvageable player. I think there is room for him to get better going forward. Yes, I'm yeah, for the YouTube people, I'm having a beer. But yeah, there's room for Truba to get better if the team tightens up around him. He gave Mika six Five? No, they Kreider, excuse me. They give Mika 5-3 a couple years ago as a restricted free agent, and they have to give him a raise in two more years. He's got the 2020-21 season and then 2021-2022 season under contract at 5-3-5. And then they're going to have to give him a huge raise. That's That number probably doubles. If he plays as well as he did last year, Zabinijad can realistically expect 9 to $10 million. But the problem is, that would be under the assumption the salary cap was still going out. And we don't know what the salary cap situation is going to look like in two years. And they might, it might not make sense for the Rangers to give Mika that last big contract. It might make more sense for them to flip him for something else going forward. It might make more sense for them to just let him walk in free agency. But I, you, you don't let guys walk in free agency unless they're minimal value. You get a nice return for Mika as a rental, or you flip him to someone who's got something you need, like, you know, a left-handed defenseman. If anyone wants to give us a left-handed defenseman for Zubinijad, I wouldn't complain. If, you know, Columbus wanted to give us Zach Wierenski for Mika, I'd do that. 
I'd do that right now. I'd drive Mika to the airport. I think Mika's really good, but they're not going to be able to afford him in two years. That's the real problem. And Lorensky fills a massive need. Yeah, he needs an extension, but he fills a massive need. Rangers need a number one left-handed defenseman. I hope uh, Ke'Andre over there can do it, but it remains to be seen if Ke'Andre Miller can be the first pair lefty man alongside Truba. Well, more likely, the first pair D-man is going to be Adam Fox going forward. Fox is already better than Truba, and he's only 22, 21. Yeah, Fox is already better than Truba, and he's better than D'Angelo, who, honestly, I think they're going to trade tomorrow during the second round. They need they need middle-round picks. They traded a three to move up to take uh, – what's his name? Why am I drawing a blank? Yeah, they moved the three and the 22nd pick to take Braden Schneider, who, again, I'm, I'm overdrafting physical slow defenseman, man. Just give me a team of Kale McCars. Give me a bunch of 5'9 guys who can skate like the wind, and we'll worry about checking. We'll worry about – we won't have to worry about checking because the other team won't be able to take the puck away from us. It's the biggest problem the Rangers have is they misunderstand what makes for an effective defenseman. In their roster construction, they've too often – decided they want the guys who block shots and throw hits when that's just not where the league is anymore. Yeah, playing physical is always going to be part of hockey. It's a contact sport. But but it is not what you want to build your team around. Being slow and hitting people means you don't have the puck. You don't want to not have the puck. You want to have the puck as much as possible. You want to control possession. You want to create scoring chances. You want to have more goals. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll throw the little bit in here. I'm going to throw – I'll put it right there and then, yeah. going to play the little clip from Moneyball where Jonah Hill explains to Brad Pitt that you need to score you – don't, you don't need to buy players. You need to buy wins to buy wins. You need to buy runs. You know, in hockey, you need to buy goals to buy wins. The Rangers need to worry about scoring more than they do about blocking shots and playing the body. As nice idea as that is, the Rangers have been trying to get another Jeff Bukaboom since Bukaboom retired. Let me tell you, Jeff Bukaboom wouldn't play in today's NHL. He'd be out, oh, excuse me, he'd play in today's NHL, but he'd suck because he'd be way too slow. The, the slow physical guys are on their way out. If you're fast and physical, sure, you can hang around. Tom Wilson skates really well, and he throws his body around like a lunatic. And he can play some hockey now. He can actually, like, you know, shoot, score some goals now. He can pass. That helps playing on the line with Ovechkin, but I digress. I digress. What the Rangers have in front of them is a window of contention. They think they do because of the moves they've made and how they have their team set up. They have their goaltender. They have the makings of a solid top six. I got to sort out the defense and the bottom six of the lineup. It remains to be seen if David Quinn can coach a team to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you put him in the first real pressure situation of his life as the head coach of the Rangers, and he got he got put in a paper bag. Rob Brittamore had the Hurricanes looking like the 1980s Soviet hockey team. 
they embarrassed the Rangers. The Rangers looked like they'd never played organized hockey before. The amount of odd man rushes they were giving up, the amount of scoring chances they were giving up, how bad they were at finishing good chances, how they were getting in tight and just shooting into mediocre goalies' legs. You're telling me Jonathan Bernier and Peter Morazic are good? Come on. David Quinn got pressed with his first real challenge as a head coach and had no chance. The Rangers were out of that series 10 minutes in the game one. They didn't have a chance because Quinn does not have a plan. His plan as head coach is juggle the lines until something sticks and hope they score. There's no defensive structure to speak of. They collapse. The defensemen collapse at the blue line, come down towards the net, and they, they just let the other team pass around them until someone's open for a good shot. It's lunacy at this point to still be playing that kind of strategy of hockey, of collapsing towards the goalie and trying to block shots. Pressure the puck carriers. That's why you need to have team speed and small guys who can chase. It's a lot harder to pass around a fast team than it is a physical team. Let me tell you, a physical team might be annoying to play, but a faster team is difficult to play. The Rangers have had good team speed the years they've been competitive this decade. 2014, 2015, they were very fast. Very fast team. Last few years, very slow team and bad structural, bad team structurally, excuse me. They need to focus on getting the guys they have better and putting them in a position to succeed, which is ultimately the job of a head coach. We don't know if David Quinn can get anyone better than when he got them. We think Tony D'Angelo is better. He still can't defend worth a lick, but he creates good scoring chances. He skates the puck out of trouble really well. He's good at creating transition play. It's probably his best trait. He's one of the best in the entire league at transition play. He still can't defend. Chris Kreider's still not consistent. Heedle, Philip Heedle didn't get a lot of run. Tepo Kako got worse. Brett Howden's awful. Leah Anderson isn't in the league. We don't know if David Quinn is the guy, and I'm... Pretty skeptical that he is the guy going forward. And it's unfortunate that he's going to get the benefit of the doubt extended to him going forward for the at least the next year or two because they think they're still rebuilding. Bullshit. The Rangers aren't rebuilding anymore. The assets they have, the investments they have, they need to start getting close to winning now because let me tell you, they're not winning the Stanley Cup next year. They're probably not winning the Stanley Cup the year after that. They need to be ready to go to win a cup in two plus years because they are not going to be able to afford to keep the team they have if everyone pans out the way they expect them to. Adam Fox is going to get a big ticket in two years. Okay, Andre Miller, God willing, gets a huge ticket. Heedle, big ticket. Kravtsov, hopefully big ticket. Shesterkin, ticket. They have a very young and cheap team right now. In two years, it's going to get expensive very fast. That becomes a problem when you're already paying Jacob Truba eight, you're paying Panarin 11, you're paying Kreider six and a half. You're, you're paying Zabinijad, eh, Zabinijad at five, five is fine, but they're going to have to give him a raise. The problem they have is they're going to have about 40 million bucks in four guys, five guys, and you got to fill in the pieces around them. And those guys are all going to take money. It's going to take raises, and they're going to need they're going to need as much flexibility as possible to do that. 
And with some of the moves they've made, they don't have a ton of flexibility right now. They have like $30 million in dead money next year because they bought out Hank. They mismanaged the hell out of Shattenkirk and bought him out. And they bought Girardi out of the last two years of his contract because it was so bad. They have struggled to identify talent properly for a while now. They can they can hit the obvious ones. Yeah, of course you sign Panarin if you can get him. Yeah, Truba was better than anyone they had going into last year, so you make that move. But there are still blotches. There are blind spots where the team is seeing one thing that doesn't correlate to what's on the ice, and that comes down to two things. Either A, the people in the front office are misevaluating talent, or B, the head coach is not putting those players in a position to succeed, and the front office needs to replace that head coach. So... Either way, the Rangers clearly have an issue. Being a fan is just wanting your team to do the right thing to win. No one wants to complain about their favorite team. Everyone just wants to be the Yankee fan, the Laker fan, the Cowboy fan. I can't even say a Cowboy fan anymore. The Duke fan, the Alabama football fan. They just want their team to win. We complain, we get neurotic, we lose our minds because our teams make stupid decisions that even we know are bad. I don't care that I, during the pause, I, I, I took a pause. I, I was scrolling through Twitter looking for more reaction about the Braden Schneider draft pick. And a lot, a few different hockey writers said that the reason the Rangers took him is because the Devils were going to take him at, at the 21st selection, I believe. 20, excuse me, 20th selection. They were going to take Schneider with the 20th selection, so the Rangers traded up to get him. And I still don't know if that makes it a good trade or not, to be completely honest. A, a good selection, if you will. Just even if you think he's good, he's already redundant. The Rangers already have three NHL defensemen that play the right side at the NHL level. They have another one in Sweden who just put together one of the best 19-year-old Swedes in, in the history of the Swedish Elite League. There are real issues with the way the team is constructing the roster, and it is genuinely concerning that they think they're ready to go with this group and that head coach because they're not, just point blank, they're not. Unless Kako comes back looking, I'm trying to think. If he comes back and he's Alexander Barkov, sure. If, Lof, if Lafreniere comes in and he's Miko Rantanen, sure. If Fox keeps looking like Kel McCarr and Quinn Hughes, sure. Still need Tony to be better. Still need Truba to be better. You need Kreider to not disappear for weeks at a time. There are just too many problems with the way the Rangers are constructing their roster right now. Granted, there's a lot of time. I still do think they move one, if not both, of Strom and D'Angelo, which makes for possibilities, because then you have more flexibility, cap flexibility. Right now, they're sitting at around $22, $23 million in cap space, and they have five restricted free agents. Yeah, I'm looking at my list here. D'Angelo, Strom, Lemieux won't cost them anything. Georgiev won't be that expensive, and DiGiuseppe, just qualifying offer. 875. You get if you want to play on the fourth line, DiGiuseppe, you can. That's fine. But they need bottom six help. They desperately need a number two center because it's not Ryan Strom and it might be Filipino, but 
do you really want to go into the 2020-2021 season expecting to make the playoffs with Filipito as your number two center? And if he, if he sinks instead of swims, you just pissed away a year of development, putting a kid in too deep who wasn't ready and still having bottom six issues? It's a real issue we're going to have to deal with. And just the way the team has spent money. You can't afford to pay Truba eight. You can't afford to pay D'Angelo five or six million a year, which is what he'll get if they sign him to term instead of a bridge. And then Fox is going to get seven, eight million in two years when he's a restricted free agent. And suddenly you're at 15, you're at 20, you're around $20 million for three defensemen. That's a problem. Can't be at $20 million for three defensemen unless it's Yossi, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. If you get all three of those guys for $20 million, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. It doesn't matter who plays the left. If those are the three guys you got, you'll figure out the rest. But Rangers don't have anyone like that. They got one guy who's good. Adam Fox is good to go right now. I feel confident in him. Lindgren, fine. Lindgren can play third pair lefty on a good team. That's fine. Still got to figure out the rest. I don't trust Trubo. I don't trust Tony. Who, were you going to trust Brendan Smith for one more year? Come on. What are we doing here? We There needs to be a coherent plan to get the Rangers ready to win as soon as possible because they are not going to have the flexibility to make the move, any more moves. The guys they have in-house, this is it. You're not going to be able to add more salary from outside because in a year or two, you're going to have to start paying restrictive free agents, and that's when you run into issues. When you have to give your restrictive free agents raises, you can string them along the way Tampa Bay and Toronto did. Excuse me, the way Tampa Bay is going to try to do with what they did with Point, what they're going to try and do this offseason with Sorelli and Sergachev. You can try and string them along on restricted free agent deals and hope they bite on that. But it remains to be seen if they have the pieces. And that's the issue. Because if we don't know these guys are it, they don't have the room to bring in new guys. Roster construction is about finding, you got to find your inefficiencies. The biggest inefficiency in hockey is guys on entry level and their first restricted free agent contracts. Those are where you can get cheaper value. You can get good value for less money. As soon as a guy gets to second RFA or UFA, you're paying more than the value they create most likely. There are exceptions to that rule. There are exceptions to that. There are guys like McDavid, guys like Dreisaitl, guys like Matthews and Marner. And there are guys where you can, you can, you have to pay the premium because they are game breaking. The Rangers did it with Panarin. Will Panarin age well? That's a real risk the Rangers are running. He's going to cost them $11 million well into his mid-30s. Guys don't really age well in hockey. Panarin doesn't play an overly physical style. He's not the fastest guy on the planet. He doesn't need to be for his game. He's effective because he's got great vision of the ice and he can see things happening out of the corner of his eye where he can fire across a crook a set a cross ice pass because he only has to look out of the periphery of his vision to create it and make it happen but again what is the plan they went into a playoff series thinking they had a plan they had no plan they got punched in the mouth and stood around for three games and uh, uh, they were home 
They're lucky they won the lottery and got Lafreniere. If they didn't get Lafreniere, you're looking at a very, very different team going into next year. They probably re-signed Strom and D'Angelo and go into next year. We're basically the same team as this past year with a couple of training camp invites. You hope Kraftsov is ready to make the team this year. You hope K. Andre over there is ready to make the team this year. But it's incumbent upon those guys to come in ready to go and the team to put them in a position to win. Ultimately, it's going to come – the Rangers' chance to win a Stanley Cup is going to come down to a few things. Most important, the single most important thing is talent, talent development. Can all of these picks they've taken the last few years get them where they need to be? Or can you trade them and get them get yourself a player that can get you where you need to be? You look at the team the last time it was competitive. The big pieces they had. Rick Nash, they got in a trade. Brad Richards, free agency. Marion Gabrick, who they traded for pieces, was a free agent signing. So that was identifying something wasn't working, and they were able to turn some, a high-end player into depth. That Rangers team needed depth. It gave them Broussard. It gave them Dorsett. They were they had the right idea. You have to identify if something's working and how quick you notice it is what's important. Are the Rangers going to be willing to actually let their young guys play in important roles? Remember, Heedle played third line minutes all last year. Kako was on the fourth line a lot of the year last year. It's hard for a skilled guy to make an impact playing 11 minutes a night with, you know, Brendan Smith on the other wing. I mean, they've been giving. I, I don't want to get into my anti-Brett diatribe now because it's going to happen at some point. I'm just tired of the Rangers being obsessed with certain traits that just don't make sense. I don't care if a guy is big and strong. I care if he's fast and can win the puck and be in good position. Brett Houghton's always out of position because he's too slow to get to where the play's happening. Or he's too concerned with trying to hit someone. In today's NHL, it's about fitness, about creating plays. You know why the Lightning won the Stanley Cup? They have Braden Point. They have Nikita Kucherov. They have Victor Hedman. They have guys who know what they're doing. The Rangers have no idea. You saw in that three-game set against Carolina. Do not give me that Shesterkin was hurt and that he missed two games. Do not give me Tony D'Angelo was hurt. A good coach would have figured something out and had them be respectable. I picked the Hurricanes to win that series in four games. I did not expect the Rangers to fare that well. I expected the Rangers to at least look like a hockey team. They didn't look like a hockey team those first two games. That first game on August 1st, they got embarrassed that Saturday. They got embarrassed. Carolina skated circles around them. Carolina was not that much better than the Rangers this year. The Rangers beat them the four times they played in the regular season this year. The Rangers played them well in the regular season. But when it came to nut up or shut up, they looked like a bantam team. They had no idea. They were just chasing the puck and throwing their body at guys, taking themselves out of positions and hurting themselves. It's all about where the team is going. And I don't, I'm not convinced the team is heading in the right direction, even though they've taken the right personnel steps to get to the right direction. Remember, you gotta give credit where credit's due. Yeah, they've had ping pong ball luck, but 
when you look at the teams that win the Stanley Cup, they all get ping pong. Look, at some point, you get someone somewhere you're not supposed to. Rangers have gotten the second and first overall pick in consecutive years. You know what that's comparable to? Washington getting Ovechkin and Backstrom and the Penguins getting Malkin, Crosby, and Fleury. The Rangers have the talent. They need to develop it, and they need to set up a core of a content. They need to be set up to win for a multi-year period. Because the last thing I want to get into in this episode, who's about to come into the game? What a tease. They didn't even show who came out of the bullpen. Uh, the Yankee the Yankee Ray game is on the TV to my left. They did the close-up of someone about to come out of the bullpen, and the bullpen door didn't open before it got to commercial. So whatever producer cut cued that up didn't do it fast enough. But the last point for this inaugural episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast is a pretty straightforward one. How we evaluate success and greatness in sports is misconstrued because we all we all got our minds warped by Michael Jordan's greatness. It's pretty hard to compare everyone in team sports because they're individuals. In team sports, it's always going to take more than one guy to win. And those individuals, sure, individual players can have a driving force into a team success. Braden Point was one of the reasons the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup this year. Victor Hedman was one of those reasons. But just because they won the Stanley Cup this year and say, I don't know, Henrik Lundqvist never won a Stanley Cup, doesn't necessarily make Hedman or Point a better player in the context of history than Lundqvist. Cups don't, I can't say cups mean everything. They're how we measure greatness and um, because Michael Jordan won six titles and everyone's trying to live up to that. It's how we measure happiness. It feels weird to say this, knowing what kind of person I am as a sports person, but it's we've got to come to terms with the fact that only one team gets to win the championship at the end of the year. It's It feels kind of unfair saying all of the other teams in that sport failed if they didn't win the Stanley Cup that specific year. Because it's hard. It's hard to win a Stanley Cup. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's hard to win a World Series. It's hard to win an NBA title. It's hard to win a Champions League. It's hard to win a Premier League. It's hard to win the Formula One championship. It's hard to win a NASCAR championship. It's hard. You only get one at the end of the year. And that's where we need to come to terms with the fact that Sports just ain't fair. Sometimes, no matter how great a play, individual player is, they can only do so much with what they've been given. And it sets up my parting shot about the immortal, the great, the best player in the history of Rangers, fra- Rangers franchise, Henrik Lundqvist. You owe it to your players to put them in the best possible position to succeed. And when your organization can identify things that I can identify from watching a hockey game with my own eyes, not expected goals, not Corsi, not Fenwick, not War, not any of those fancy stats. If I can look with my own two eyes from my seat up in the nosebleeds at the garden and see something is wrong because the organization is identifying something wrong, that is a problem. A team cannot have blind spots for things they feel sympathetic for or believe in that aren't working. They constantly, 
constantly on NBCSN during the hockey playoffs. We're trying to beat you over the head with how important it was to be physical and take the other team off their edge. You know what made the Tampa Bay Lightning effective? Having the best player on the ice more than half of the time. Having Point or Hedman out there and Kucherov, you have just more talent. I don't care about physical traits. I want the best players available. I'd rather have the best player available than the most I'd rather have the best player than the most talented guy. It's all about channeling that talent into doing something successful. What are your intentions and are you doing the best you can with what you got to create a positive result? I am not convinced that the Rangers understood why they were successful for most of this decade. They were successful because of Henrik Lundqvist. They were not successful because of the team they put in front of Henrik Lundqvist. The man saved more goals than anyone with the hardest workload imaginable. I'm going to throw the tweet up over here. It got a lot of run on Twitter last week, the day they bought out Lundqvist, but I believe, it, yeah, it was Travis Yost of TSN, who is a great follow on Twitter. A chart where every goal in the last 10 years with, I believe it was 400 starts, I want to say 400 appearances maybe, where they were all plotted out with goals saved above expectation and workload. And Lundqvist was so far off in the far corner of the quadrant one, quadrant one of the chart because he quadrant one of the chart because he was just so much better than everyone else. That means he had hard work because the team in front of him wasn't playing well. So yeah, the Rangers might have won a bunch of games two to one and three to two this decade. Doesn't mean the team in front of him was playing that well. If Henrik Lundqvist got to make 45 saves in a playoff game, the team in front of him is not playing well. When you build a team, you have to have an idea, and the idea has to make sense. You can't just acquire talent and expect it to all click. The talent has to fit together. The coach has to be able to massage the talent and get it into something he can work with to make the team successful. And the Rangers have every opportunity to do that right now with the core of talent they have. Alexi should be awesome. Kako should be better. Kravtsov should make the team this year. Keandre, God willing, makes the team this year. They got a lot of question marks they got to figure out if they really think they're a contender, though. It's going to be at least another year of this David Quinn nonsense of him not really coaching and just kind of doing that angry stepdad approach where you don't tell your kid you love them because it's supposed to build toughness or something where all you do is criticize them. That's a wrap. Episode one, just like that. I'll be back tomorrow to talk about <laughs> the Giants and Dave Gettleman. <laughs>